from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Bienvenidos a la Tiny House Podcast. Estoy Perry y ustedes. Michelle, I'm guessing. <laughs> y tú. Marco. <laughs> wow, that was unexpected. I thought it would be. That was really Very great. Nice. So that I'm taking really Spanish lessons on an app called Duolingo, and so I'm just practicing my Espanol. Good for you. Why are you taking Spanish lessons? Are you moving? <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about politics. We're not. We're not. That's just <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not moving, but um, I want to learn a couple languages. And so Spanish seems like a natural one because there's so many Spanish speakers in the United States. And so I have the opportunity to practice. And then after that, I want to give a shot at French because I just love the way that sounds. I do too. Do you really? Very, very different languages though. Yeah. I've heard I that mean, one's a hard one. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard too. So did you ever take Spanish in high school? Six or Six years. Wow. So I this know. is a brush up. It is a brush up. That's just much. a brush up, yeah. right? So now you, when you when you, you now you can say more than um, baño and cerveza <laughs> and <laughs> adonde vas Tomas margarita mas margaritas por favor oh good for you, Thank you. good for you <clears throat> so uh, we have a fabulous guest today the uh, creator no segue. Oh, we gotta find, yeah, we got to figure out a segue. Okay. We could, well, why don't we just go into the normal question that we go into recently, and then maybe we'll find the segue there. Oh, the normal question? The normal What's question. What's up with your tiny the, house? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Hund House? Hund House. The Hund House, Hund house yes. Hund House. That's well, the German part of yeah. it. It's a play-by-play. Play. Yes. Well, uh, so we've run out of money. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Essentially. And dun, so, dun, dun. yes, and so we're looking at, uh, my friend Bill and I are looking at uh, bootstrap ways of doing this, and so I've put together an estimate of how much insulation we're going to need and how much electrical stuff we're going to need. And um, I think we have just enough money to get that done. And then uh, the siding, as I told you last week, is fencing. And so that's free. Right. We were able to get that. Um, but I think we're going to be able to get it done. We just won't be able to get everything that we wanted to get done, done. Well, the good news is if you're using, are you using um, fiberglass, like, bats yeah. like traditional okay yeah. well that's not too much then no, so the fiberglass really insulation is really inexpensive mm-hmm. and your rough in should be pretty inexpensive for electrical too that's what bill and i were thinking that that shouldn't be a problem um the expensive parts as i was specking it out are the switches you know because we want dimmer switches right um and we don't want white because the fencing right siding would look weird white switches on keep fencing. an eye out right. on craigslist for <coughs> free stuff that's what bridget had said mm-hmm. that and ebay actually and ebay and free cycle Oh, free cycles. Portland's got one too. of the biggest. Well, also, um, there is a uh, recycling and rebuilding center actually in Sherwood, Oregon, um, and they will have they have let me say tons of switches and plugs and oh. fixtures and boxes, um, tons and tons and tons for pennies a piece. Wow. Um, and is then um, the other thing t- also is make sure that you get multiple quotes. So if you go to some of the wholesale houses and so forth instead of the big box stores, uh-huh. you'd be surprised. If you decide that you want all new, um, you can save you know, 25 to 
on some of this stuff by going to some of the actual electrical supply houses as opposed to the big box stores. What would be one of those, for example? It's Plat Electric. So, oh, wow. Okay. Um, they're also a great you know, source as far as, you know, do we really need this or do we really right. need that? And then they'll, they can kind of walk you through that too. So Awesome. I'll go there. I actually knew a guy that worked at Platt for a little while. Yeah, great place. Is the rebuilding center that you're talking about the same as the rebuilding center in northeast Portland? No, this one is just owned by a, this one's owned, it's, it's called the Sherwood Recycling Center or something, owned by a really nice guy named Dan. Mm. Um, big, huge warehouse, but like I said, tons of switches and plugs. Their electrical department um, is pretty impressive, actually. Right. Now, the fixtures, not so much. You know, you're, you're going to have to really appreciate the 1980s brass yeah. kind of mm. motif thing nice. if you want to get fixtures. So I don't buy my fixtures there. Um, but they do have a lot of cool stuff. I just bought my door there, for instance, this past oh, wow. week. Cool. Beautiful five-panel mid-century door huh. for 18 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of great deals and fixtures, we have a fixture <laughs> of the tiny house community. Oh, <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> He saw the opening and he grabbed it. And he took it. Nice. Darren Zaruva, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. It's great to be on again. Uh, had we had him on before? Um, maybe yeah, at, at the very beginning uh, when we were talking about the first jamboree, we uh, oh yeah, uh, oh well, wow, you gave me a little three minute segment. Oh, show. that's right. Welcome back to the show. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, an, another returning guest. Yes, awesome. <laughs> I was memorable. I can see. <laughs> All of we can't even are. remember last week's exactly. show. Don't take it personally. <laughs> we actually just had a conversation before we turned on the recorder about. Exactly how many returning guests do we have? And the list is is pretty long. We're at 70, I think, now. Yeah, we're at 70 60, episodes. 69. Some, some numbers. Up to 70, getting up to the magical like 69, yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Hey, Zar- hey, Darren, how you doing? I'm doing great. How good. are you guys? We're good, great, good, too. Good. Great and happy. How's the weather out there? It's, uh, it's okay. I mean, it's relatively mild for Oregon right now. It's a little spitty, like yeah, London. But it's been getting up into the like mid sixties the last the week or so. Yeah. Yesterday yeah. it was seventy two no. and glorious sunshine. Yeah. Yes, it was it wonderful. Was I drove home wow. with the top down. How about how about where you are? Uh, we're in Colorado Springs, and uh, it's been the warmest uh, kind of fall on record. But uh, the last couple of days have been really cold. So oh. we're getting in winter. Winter is coming. Uh, awesome. Well, um, Winter is here. It, 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 <laughs> some would say. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you real quickly to recap. Well, actually, I was going to ask you about the tiny house uh, jamboree. The jamboree. But it's so old, and by the time this comes out, it'll be so much older. No, 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 you no, think no, it's no. Worth talking no, about? absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So how'd, the, how'd it go? No, how is it coming? Oh, you mean the new one coming out? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so sure. question number one, question number one for the day. Um, hey, Darren, um, may we assume that the third edition of Tiny House Jamboree Touché. is is coming? It is coming. Yes. And do uh, we get to be the first people to know where exactly it's going to be? No. Oh, <laughs> is that man. because you already told somebody else, or because you're not going to tell us? <laughs> no, we're uh, we haven't decided yet. Uh, we, okay. uh, you guys uh, came this year, so we actually at the last minute had to switch it from. The uh, the mining museum, which was a beautiful venue for the first year, mm-hmm. and uh, for this year, uh, about thirty days out, we had to switch because we got uh, we got threatened by the basically the city and the state patrol and everybody that if we shut down I twenty five again, kind of like we did last year, that they would shut down the event no matter when it was. So, at the very last minute, we had to switch venues uh, across the highway to the Air Force Academy, which turned out to be really. Lovely. Um, really conducive yeah, for it. Very mm-hmm. 
And uh, we are in negotiations with them and a couple other uh, people, including a couple other cities in Colorado that have really stepped up and said, hey, we, we would rather have you here wow. representing kind of the movement. So we're, we're in talks. So it might not even be in Colorado Springs. It's just in somewhere close proximity, huh? Yeah, uh, Colorado Springs, Denver, Boulder-ish, you know, something like that. So it would definitely be up and down uh, the front range somewhere. Nice. Fun, fun. So, so Darren, um, what's your background? How did you get into tiny houses? Well, um, for those of uh, anybody that don't know my name, I'm the president and owner of Eco Cabins. And uh, we're also the founder and the founding sponsor of the Tiny House Jamboree, which is a separate entity. Um, but uh, long story short, I got into tiny houses uh, from a long history of being involved in the building industry, developments, and uh, really mobile homes is what started my interest in factory built housing and sustainable housing, affordable housing. And uh, in the last couple of years, uh, I really switched my focus on to uh, the part of the design of the tiny house movement and uh, really liked what was going on. I kept watching, you know, people like uh, uh, Lee Para and Macy Miller and Michelle and um, Andrew and Gabriella Morrison. And I, I just really liked the craftsman quality of it, but it was so much of a do it yourself movement that there really wasn't uh, anybody stepping forward other than like Tumbleweed um, who, who had the longest history in, you know, building uh, houses. So I said, gosh, this is, um, I could bring some expertise in coding and zoning and building uh, efficiencies. And, and that's what we started to do is switch to, we, we did a little rebranding a couple of years ago and really started focusing more on the, uh, what we call simple, smart and sustainable housing movement. That was really nice of you to put my name in such really uh, great company in that list. I appreciate that. Um, as a matter of fact, in your honor today, I'm actually wearing my hat that says there's no place like home. Um, <laughs> nice. So uh, as, so you want to talk a little bit about that and the development of your, your tiny houses? It doesn't actually say that. Yes, it does. <laughs> no, it says, it says home is where the heart home is. Home is where the heart is. <laughs> Same diff. <laughs> I, the other one says there's no place like <laughs> That is funny that I don't know which hat it's I have funny. on today. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about that process of, of deciding um, which floor plans you were going to build and and, um, and going through that rebranding process? Yeah, sure. Um, I had been, uh, a little bit more of my background, we own mobile home parks and uh, have developed communities uh, from everything from single family detached homes to student housing to, you know, custom homes. Um, to, you know, mobile home parks. So when I started watching the movement, uh, we had been doing uh, building and using other uh, manufacturers across the nation. And uh, I saw an opportunity to say, hey, you know, we got, we have an opportunity to jump into the movement. And, you know, how do we do it? Do we go out there and try to, uh, do we try to make our own name? Do we you know, jump on the bandwagon somewhere? And we kind of did a little bit of a hybrid because uh, I think what we brought to the industry, because it is a growing, uh, you know, this, this isn't just a movement anymore. I always say this is an industry uh, that has, or a movement that has turned into an industry. So I looked at a lot of the popular designs out there and uh, I got a hold of Andrew and Gabriella Morrison when uh, Andrew was out to Colorado Springs doing a TEDx talk, which is still, you know, out there on YouTube and uh, had dinner with those guys and, and really picked their 
and uh, they said, yeah, we'd love to have uh, a qualified builder building our model. So um, we decided to launch uh, into the tiny house world with building the Morrison, uh, the Morrison home. They call it the the home, with an emphasis on the you know ohm. And uh, that that was kind of our launch into the whole thing. We said, you know, we we like the designs that are already out there. Um, since then, we've uh, uh, we we've done other people's designs, uh, but we also have, and we're still continuing to come out with. Uh, and roll out some of our own designs. Uh, and we dedicated a factory uh, that uh, we had. We started a factory in like March that's in uh, South Dakota to specifically to the small housing movement, not just tiny houses, which we can talk about, but um, it's it's more on, we do more uh, modular houses on land, whether they're 200 square feet or you know 1,500 or 2,000 square feet. That's our mainstay business. So Darren, how give us a scope of your company size? Um, how many how many mobile home parks do you have? How many other developments have you produced? How many factories do you have? That kind of thing. Oh gosh, um, I'm going to be really vague here because I don't want to give. We're not a public company, so okay. I don't want to give up much of my secret sauce. That's but fair. Um, and and I have a lot of different partnerships. I'm going to have partners in the mobile home world. So we have. Uh, um, I'm, uh, my company is a minority partner in about. I think it's now 35 mobile home parks uh, across Michigan, Texas, uh, Kansas, and other places. We have about, I think, 14,000 spaces uh, right now. So we know the affordable housing movement very well. I've been in the mobile home, uh, the the HUD code mobile home side of the business for about 20 years. So I've done that for a long time. I've been a financer of mobile homes, um, and and I I still do that, uh, mainly in Colorado. Colorado and Michigan. And then uh, the company, if, if you just look at the eco cabins side of the company, we started off a couple, three years ago as a dealer for other brands like uh, Champion and Clayton, but they just weren't building the quality that uh, uh, the quality and the, the specific look and feel and everything that we were trying to accomplish that, that embodies the tiny house movement. They just weren't getting it and they, they weren't doing things innovative and they weren't doing them fast enough. And they're, they're too big to change. So uh, we partnered with a few uh, smaller factories out there to get our to get our brand rolling. We started our first factory in South Dakota. Um, we're probably in first quarter of next year. We're going to be opening up uh, and and switching our company headquarters probably to uh, Joplin, Missouri, because uh, it's in the middle of the country right now. So, um, and I I would say that we're uh, of the numbers that I know. This is the interesting thing about this industry is that. It, it's not a regulated industry, and there are so many little, you know, shed builders out there that are getting into the movement and and building things. And there's no telling what the actual numbers in this industry are right now because it is just getting it's just getting up to speed. But I will I will say we're one of the top three, um, and uh, as far as I know, and all three of those are uh, based out of Colorado, uh, ironically. So Sprout Homes. Um, tumbleweed and uh, us but again our our business is not just about tiny homes we really think that uh that the movement is is awesome and it's really cool but it also for me the movement points to a change in philosophy that america has needed for a long time and we fill those other niches uh, as well so how how are you the based on your knowledge and the top three that you mentioned are you the (laughs) only entity that uh, had an ongoing 
successful concern and you just kind of get in got into the movement or did tumbleweed and sprout also have that kind of background oh no uh, great question i've never been asked that before but uh as far as i know we are the only company that uh, has had an ongoing interest and and movement right now at least that uh, kind of went from the top down went from the big houses to the mods and to developments and things like that saw this movement and came down into it um, a lot of, uh, of what makes up the market right now is the do-it-yourselfers or, you know, a guy who's been a home builder or, or a contractor for a while and says, hey, I'm going to start a tiny house building company. And, uh, you know, it, that's going to change uh, very quickly over the next couple of years, I think, as regulations start to kind of, you know, form and weed people out. But pretty much anybody that could swing a hammer has uh, started a tiny house building company. Mm-hmm. So I, I would guess there's probably 500 to 1,000 companies in America right now that, you know, quote, call themselves a tiny house builder. Interesting. But, but uh, we kind of did it. We, we went from the top down. Tumbleweed actually started with Jay Schaefer. Uh, with his company, with his designs, and then he partnered with uh, Steve Weissman. Steve ended up uh, taking over the company. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay's got his own company now as well. Um, Sprout just started specifically as a tiny house company, so okay. it's uh, it's it's kind of a an emerging industry. So I love your philosophy, um, and you can um, maybe I'll get this quote wrong too. Um, you said a rising ocean floats all boats. So I'm going to ask a famous Michelle question. It's a two-parter. Number one, can you expound a little bit on that philosophy? And then number two, what do you think is the number one barrier to entry um, for tiny house occupants, not builders? Right now, as you said, there's the regulations are kind of not keeping anybody out of this game. But for people that are interested in tiny houses, what do you think is the number one barrier to entry? Okay, which one do you want first? Pick one. Pick one. Um, okay, the, uh, the what I say all the time is a rising tide. Uh, all boats, all boats rise with a rising tide, and and I, I believe that uh, in the business sense. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we started the Jamboree, um, primarily because uh, when I started that, the first year that I did that in El Paso County. Um, It wasn't a jamboree. I actually put one of our park model homes, a 400-square-foot home, in the Parade of Homes, and we won the People's Choice Award. Wow. And it really shook up the uh, establishment uh, here. I mean, I I had a lot of really pissed-off home builders, you know, colleagues of mine that that, that just – didn't like it. They didn't, you know, we don't like this little thing sitting in the middle of a field and, and you won against our $250,000, $300,000 home. So that really pissed them off. So the next year uh, I said, well, I'm going to step up even more. And I invited the competition to the Jamboree <clears throat> and the Jamboree really is, uh, it, it had a focus the first two years on builders and the industry uh, because I really want to I want to have everybody step up and step up uh, to a higher bar the more we get together and see each other's builds talk about codes and zoning and things like just betters things all around and uh, in fact uh, things like uh, what Andrew and Gabriella Morrison have spearheaded um, uh, from the do-it-yourself movement they went to the International Code Council along with a whole bunch of other people that uh, really pushed through uh, some codes talking about tiny home uh, building that uh, hopefully get passed, um, even from my perspective, hopefully get passed that 
tiny houses will have to be built to and inspected by up to a code, and they proposed it as an international residential code amendment. Does that all make sense so far? Yes. So far, so good. Okay. So, and that ties into uh, that ties into the second thing. Um, so, I, at, as I my segue into that is mm-hmm. that as as the tide rises, all boats rise. So it it is going to shake up the DIY market a little bit uh, as codes start coming into play, um, as regulation starts coming into play. But it also is going to uh, make builders step up with their quality. It's going to make safety a lot better. It's going to make interstate interstate travel a lot better. And you're going to see a weeding out of a lot of things that uh, that are just noise or fluff right now, like some certifications that that, <laughs> that don't actually matter. Um, Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a whole other. Yeah. That's a whole nother. Yeah, it is. But uh, so segue into the second part of your question is what's the biggest challenge? That's it right now is uh, coding and zoning, and that's what I talk about in most of my uh, most of my interviews, most of my talks at the Jamboree. Uh, we talk about coding and zoning. So the the biggest challenge that people have, and, and your podcast specifically, I think, goes to uh, people looking at living in full-time basis on a tiny house or in a tiny house on wheels, correct? Uh, we're we're kind of agnostic about it, but a lot of our interviews They're do talk about, about it. They're agnostic about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I would guess that that's the majority of your uh, listenership. As uh, yes. You know, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's like, true. Uh, that's true. Yes. Like tiny, all the all the podcasts out there right now that are focusing on this. That's really what it's about. Is a tiny house on wheels. Yes. And it's a very very um, uh, very very visible and vocal minority of the. Uh, of the actual interest in the movement, the people that really want to build a tiny house uh, or buy a tiny house and live in it permanently is, is a really small market actually, but they are the most interested. They are the most vocal and they are the most visible with all of the shows out there. And I would say the challenge that, that they have or other people looking to get into this movement have are, okay, I build this or I buy it. Number one, what code is it built to? Mm-hmm. And number two, does that code, if there is a code, help me place it somewhere, which is zoning. Coding and zoning have to match. And that is still the biggest issue with uh, with finding a permanent place to live legally. Mm-hmm. Still Darren, a challenge. Darren, when, you're, when, you're, when you say that the people who want to live in the trailer-based tiny house are the minority, who's the majority in this industry? Uh, well, when I when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the uh, the interest in the movement. I mean, there's I talk to so many people that uh, are from RV parks or developments or uh, people wanting to buy. We take more calls. Let me put it this way: we take more calls and do more sales with uh, institutional buyers, if you will, commercial buyers whether it be an RV park, whether it be a resort, whether it be a tiny house hotel that wants to pop, you know, two or three on their land or somebody, you know, who wants to put uh, two or three of them in their backyard to uh, supplement income. I have more, um, that that's the bigger market that is starting to emerge as people look at this as either a second home or a uh, rental opportunity, if you will. Very interesting. Forbes magazine actually published an article um, this week, actually, I think it was yesterday, um, talking about how tiny houses are not a good idea at all. Um, number one, they talked about the fact that they 
their perspective um, about they think that they're not a good investment, uh, they're not a good return on investment, they're not going to hold their value. Um, they talked about the fact that it's a fad. They talked about the fact that they're illegal. Um, they talked about the fact that the demographic of people that want to live in them is, you know, you can't raise a family. Or they even said, what if you want to have people over for a party? Then you have to rent a hall. And it was an interesting article. <laughs> the only reason why I bring it up is because obviously you're as optimistic as we are about the growth of the movement. And articles like that really kind of piss me off. <laughs> but what do you say? What do you say to the cynics? Again, I th- you're you're very well invested. You're very well informed. What it would what do we say to the cynics out there that say this is not a good investment? This is only a fad. Um, you know, actually, I would, uh, and I'm going to get some flack from you guys here, but I would agree with a lot of that article from Forbes. But here's the deal: it's a niche. <laughs> it's it's it isn't going away. There will be people that will continue to fight for uh, legal living in places. It is not for everybody. And that the thing that that article discounts is that they, they look at it and say, well, this is, it's, it's not for everybody. Well, no kidding. It's not for yeah, everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm not living in a tiny house. I live in a, I live in a small condo. Okay. I'm actually downsizing. I'm trying to minimize myself from this movement. I've learned a lot. Um, in fact, I just got rid of another 30 t-shirts this weekend. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I know how hard that is. Oh, I'm 20 years old. I, exactly. I <laughs> But uh, it's, you know, I, I agree with some of the things about that Forbes article, but uh, the thing that they don't understand is that uh, it is a good investment for some people. Yeah. You know, if uh, why wouldn't somebody want to spend uh, $20,000 building their own home if they're a single person or a couple that 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 that's how they want to live for the next five years? Yeah. That is a good investment. And then if they keep it up, um, the difference between houses on trailers and uh, RVs on uh, uh, depreciation on their value is as of yet to be determined. But the one thing I would say between those two, especially if the industry starts uh, recognizing these with native values and things like that, which goes back to coding, um, you know, ours are actually going to be in a, in a Kelly Blue Book and a NADA, so you can actually go back to the models and when they were built. So but awesome. You can, you can update a house. You can update yeah. a tiny house, you know? As soon as you drive an RV off the lot with the white plastic on it, right. know what year it is. Right. And and you can't do a whole lot. You can't paint the outside. You can't restain it. You can't. I mean, it's 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 like apples and oranges. Just like that article, I would say is it, it, it's comparing apples and oranges. I believe that there is still a, that there is a niche out there that this fills and will continue to grow and fill. Me it's too. not going. Me too. Let me go back to the question about the minority vocal group that you're talking about. <clears throat> Are you um, expressing the fact that, and I might get this wrong, Darren, what you said. Are you expressing the fact that the majority are people who are wanting to essentially purchase in volume these tiny houses? Are you expressing that as a as a measure of volume in terms of revenue sales or number of units sold? Or are you talk, are you saying that really the most people who are really interested in this actual numbers of people is represented by people who want the rental opportunity or the commercial value of the tiny houses. Hmm. Um, I, for us personally, um, well, and I can, I can speak uh, very 
awfully off the cuff with with a couple of competitors, but a couple of my competitors, um, one of them says uh, that they that they build more houses for individuals. The other one says that they that they can count on, you know, two hands the number of uh, houses that they've sold to individuals versus commercial. Hmm. Um, for us, it's the same thing. We we are selling more to uh, volume. Uh, people, um, you know, the commercial side of it. Uh, when I say it's more of a, a, you know, vocal and visual majority, uh, it's the people that are out there talking about this mm-hmm. uh, on the podcasts like this or on the groups like uh, Tiny House People or on the TV shows. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that people see. That's what America sees right now uh, are the people that are actually trying to live in them. They don't, they don't see the kind of underswell movement that's growing for these to be a viable option for a second home. Got it. Thank you for that clarification. Do you think that all the press and all the television shows, do you think it's had a, this is, do you think it's had a positive or a negative effect on the movement? I think I know your answer, but, but, um, again, there, there's, there is split opinions, uh, you know, about the, about the press. Some people think that, that's so not the point. A 35-foot-long, $95,000 <laughs> tiny house is so not the point. Oh, my God. It's not the movement. Um, what's your personal opinion on the press? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm split right down the middle on that because uh, a 35-foot, $90,000 home, um, hey, I'm all for it if it's worth it. You know, if somebody's if, – if we're building something like that, I, I don't know how – I mean, with our efficiency and everything, we, I, I don't think we'll ever have something that high because our prices, because of our efficiencies and volume, are, are a lot lower than most. But if somebody wants to build a custom, you know, like Xyle Vardos, uh, custom stuff that's out there and beautiful craftsmanship, if it's worth it and somebody wants to pay $90,000 for it, hey, hallelujah. That's what I That's say. part of the movement. Yep. I have, I have a lot of people saying, that's not the movement. You know, this isn't what the movement is about. Well, a movement is just that. It moves somewhere. <laughs> it goes somewhere. And if you, if you get stuck in um, the, the, uh, the fanatics out there, if you will, that if there's any change or any government intervention or, you know, big quote, I, I've gotten so much flack from people saying, oh, big business is moving yeah. into the industry right now. I'm not big business. I'm, you know, small, I'm a, I'm a medium sized fish in a very, very small pond. And, uh, it's, if you get the fanatics out there that say, oh, this is going to kill the movement. It's, they're the ones that are stuck in, in the paradigm that they can't get out of. I think every part of this movement is good. A $90,000 unit. Fantastic. Uh, a $10,000 do it yourself unit that, that, if it's built well and can be verified to a code at some point, fantastic. If you want to do it yourself, you know, there's so many aspects of this first home, second homes. Um, but so the, the media has done great things, but it's also done, uh, it's done great things in the exposure of the philosophy for me, but it's also done some bad things in the expectations of people. Um, especially in pricing <laughs> and we'll see <laughs> formalized over. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many calls we get that say, well, why, why are your tiny houses 49,900? Cause most of the ones that you see on TV are like, you know, 12,000. Well, that's, that's because they didn't discount for their, they or they account for their labor yeah. or, they right. buy, or they spent five years uh, dumpster diving yeah. for materials which which we don't do you know so there's <laughs> all of this stuff will it, it'll normalize uh, over the next few years i would say that the the tv coverage has also 
stimulated what you're talking about, and that is this behind-the-scenes activity where investors, uh, you know, formal and casual, are seeing an opportunity here, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Would you agree yep. with that? Yes, absolutely. No question. So what other trends... Do, oh, sorry. Mark, right, just a couple kind of unrelated questions. Um, of the 35 mobile home parks you're involved in, are what one of them has the highest percentage of tiny houses in it? Uh, zero. Oh. oh, really? Because, yeah, and, the, the, and this is a clarification, okay? This goes to zoning. Um, typically, a mobile home park uh, is a HUD code community. And what that means is that it's got a special designation in... Uh, that they allow a HUD code mobile home oh. in there on a temporary set. And that's that's uh, something that a lot of people don't quite, you know, you, th this is where the coding and zoning comes in, right? So most places will not allow a tiny house, which is not coded, or most of the time coded as an RV, in as a housing unit in a HUD code zone. They will only allow mobile homes, HUD code mobile homes. So, like the city, actually, cities will get uh, government dollars, subsidies, for the number of affordable housing units that they have. And that's HUD code. That's defined by the HUD code. Just like uh, an RV park, technically, is supposed, because it's recreational vehicle zoned, mm -hmm. an RV park will not allow a HUD code permanently in there as, as residential dwelling. They also are not supposed to allow a tiny house in there that's not coded or a tiny house that is coded in there for permanent living. This is where the whole coding and zoning mm -hmm. always have to match. Interesting. And a lot of people have no idea what, of what you just said, the interactivity between these codes and zones. Mm -hmm. And the fact that something that hasn't been defined yet doesn't, doesn't fit anywhere yet. and doesn't fit in any of the things because when the things were when the codes and the zones were defined that thing didn't exist you're exactly right and that's yep. the that's the bit there is right now i always say there is no silver bullet yeah uh even um and i applaud andrew and gabriella and everybody else that spent their time going and, and doing uh, what i what i declare is miraculous mm -hmm. uh, because we've been dealing with these uh, governmental you know government bodies for years and years we know how hard it is mm -hmm. i mean it takes they just had a hearing about changing the the irc code for 2018 that's what they went to uh petition for right they actually got it approved at the at the table there at the hearing and then it goes to another vote if what they presented gets approved as a change to the International Residential Code, what that does is allows for some variations on stair, um, stair dimensions, ceiling heights, and things like that, okay? It does not address, this first round does not address the trailer and wheels. Right. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a big yes, big but difference. it's a step in. It's a it's step, step. It's a position at the table, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a step in the right direction. It's raising the it's the awareness. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much a strategy. Yeah. Um, I think it it would we would have been pushing our luck. For, I'm going to speak on behalf of the movement for a moment. We would have been pushing our luck to yeah. go in front of the IRC, the ICC board, and saying. 
that's you know trailers. throwing it off. exactly yeah. <laughs> trailers please permanent. we're not really right. rvs and yeah. we're not really mobile homes and we're special so right. we want you to to, to acknowledge right. us treat as, us as special such. Yeah. yeah so the no, it, it got you a seat at the table for sure it, it got the movement a seat at the table and andrew was very wise in how he did that because yeah. you're exactly right when the codes were written, these things didn't even exist. And I say it's it's like it's not comparing apples and oranges. It's like comparing apples and orangutans. <laughs> it's a completely different animal. It just it's it it fits or doesn't fit so many different categories out there that you really can't define what it is right now. And it's going to take a long time. Hmm. Um, the, the other second question, kind of unrelated, but. I think I'd heard at one point in time, you're moving to South Dakota, right? But that you were going to be building out multiple building locations. Is that true? Um, yes, we have. Uh, we've identified a lot of different uh, locations around the nation. Um, we're changing our model a little bit right now just uh, because we're going to have one. Uh, if this goes through, we're going to have one large location in uh, Joplin, Missouri area, mm -hmm. because it's kind of a transportation hub and it's in the middle of the nation. Uh, we can also very easily and quickly open up satellite factories um, or have, uh, you know, temporary satellite factories. So if somebody came and said, I've got a development and I need, you know, 800 square foot houses and I need 300 of them over the next three years, we can open up a small factory um, the way we're, we're very nimble in how we can do that. On the other side, if there is as big of a demand in a specific area, um, like Florida, for instance, I mean, they have the uh, Florida, um, uh, not Jamboree, the, uh, what's John's, Festival. Florida Festival. The Florida, Florida yeah, Festival the Florida coming Tiny. up next week or this week? Mm. Yeah, so that's coming up, and he's got an, an incredible response. He's probably going to exceed, uh, you know, the number of homes that we had at the Jamborees. Wow. So we're probably going to be piggybacking each other for a while. Um, you know, good, good on them. And Florida is obviously a huge hotspot. So if all of a sudden the demand for coded units, uh, which is what I'm really banking on, is that at some point, you know, that you have to build to a code, you have to adhere to these standards. And uh, if if we need to open up another factory, uh, a larger one in Georgia that's permanent or something to, to fill that area, we've already been looking in that in that uh, area. It. Um to take this out of the technical aspects of this conversation, why do you, why do you like this area of work? What is it that lights your fire? Oh gosh, um, it's not just the money. No, oh, no, no. That's I've I've lost a lot of money getting into, the, <laughs> into this movement. I mean, it it, it really does take a lot of money to get a factory set up to yeah. get a. Uh, uh, to start dealing with what we're dealing with, it takes a lot of money because getting a factory uh, approved for building codes, you know, coded units, uh, and we we build all different codes right now. So if some, we always ask, what do you want to do? Where do you want to do it? And we build to that code. Um, and we, we're always upfront with people about, you know, where it can go or where it can't go. What I really like about this movement is the challenge right now. I, I, I really like this, the whole, like I'm kind that. of a contrarian. I like, I like, um, I like building things and I don't just mean structures. I like building businesses. I like, uh, finding solutions for things that seem challenging. I like, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I kind of buck the trends and go where it seems uh, hard and it's, it is hard for the first, you know, couple, three, four years. And then once we've figured it out, then hopefully we're the, we're the leaders and, yeah. and uh, continue to make the industry better. So I like the challenge. Where, where does, where, where does that, uh, 
come from? I'm hesitating, Darren, because we know, I know you have some things you don't want to talk about, and I'm not asking about those things, but I am really curious if you can tell tell us, tell the listeners, where does that spirit that you just described come from? Of creating new things. Yeah, of creating new Mm -hmm. things and challenging opportunities Mm -hmm. and being a bucker of the system, that kind of thing. Were you a naughty Uh, child? (laughs) Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I I couldn't hold a job, uh, for the life of me now, if, if I had to, uh, I've had an entrepreneurial spirit since, uh, since high school and, uh, in college I took business classes and I did take a couple jobs, but they were all, you know, they were all very uh, open and entrepreneurial. And, and the, the first chance that I got, I said, man, I don't, I don't want to be stuck in a job that just uh, has a, has a glass ceiling and, um, you know, I can only make so much and I can only do so much. I mean, I want to create my own destiny. And there's a, there's a quote that I love um, that says entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. Yeah. And, and that's the I mean, that's I've been that that's been me since uh, probably high school. Nice. There's another quote that says uh, entrepreneurs are the only people that are willing to work um, for a few years oh. to, and do things that someone doesn't, no one wants to do in order to take the rest of their lives to do things that no one can do. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yep. And I always tell people I'm, I'm always, uh, for the last 20 years, I've always been on the edge of being a bankrupt or a billionaire. So yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. writing that fine line every day and, and you have to, I mean, it's, we're, we're the guys that make the world, you know, run yeah. right now. We're, create the jobs we're the guys that take the risk and we could get into the political side of this with the election and everything that just went through but you know there's uh it's if you don't have uh business out there and if you don't have uh, people taking risks and jumping in you 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 got a very stagnant uh, country and economy you get used to those risks too you kind of get hooked on them i think you do yeah, it's an addiction, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think you're talking to a room full of contrarians, right? Yep. Would you yep. would Absolutely. You agree? Totally. Yeah. And the people that we interview on this show are that way too in many respects, especially the people that we bring in that are not in the tiny house movement, like the air yep. the guy who's living in the airplane and the guy who built that concrete hotel right. and all they those want the guy that lived in a dumpster. dumpster yeah, all those folks. Yeah. So you're right at home on the tiny house podcast, Aaron. Yeah, Good. even in the tiny house movement, um I also some somewhat ironically consider myself a contrarian building my second tiny house now that's actually teeny tiny you know as as tiny houses get bigger and bigger and bigger more complicated more expensive i've decided that my next one's actually going to be much smaller and much simpler and much more mobile um so kind of even finding the contrarian within the contrarian (laughs) movement (laughs) so darren what's next for you Oh, what's next? I mean, we've always got stuff going on. We're working on uh, we're working on developments now on our own. Um, what we're really going to be focusing on is uh, more second home because uh, again, that's where I think the market is is going. Uh, I think there's always going to be a need for uh, housing, but we've we kind of have that covered with our uh, with our communities. Um, but uh, we're looking at developing really cool small housing resort type developments. One of the things I've always said is that, uh, you know, for if you're looking for a second home or a vacation home, um, one of those uh, uh, 
Ah, I'm blanking out on one of those condos that you buy a timeshare. Yeah. A, a timeshare is the worst investment that you can that you can ever do. <laughs> uh, you can't resell them. You you only get it for a year. You still have to pay. You have to. And, and I'm still amazed that people are building timeshares and selling them out. Me too. Um, you know why wouldn't you buy a tiny house? Why wouldn't you spend the same about the same amount of money on a tiny house and put it into a beautiful little resort, pay some lot rent, use it whenever the heck you want, re-rent it out. Um, make some income or pay for the, you know, pay for the resort fees or whatever. There's different ways to do it. And that's really what we're all about. We've right. got a couple, um, we've got one that, uh, I, I took down a development, a very small one in, uh, by Breckenridge, Colorado, um, called Whispering Aspen. And we're changing the, uh, the PUD, the, the planned urban development plan out there to allow for full-time living or, you know, tiny houses, um, so we're doing that one. We've got a couple other ones in the works that are, that are much bigger that, that, uh, we're still on non-disclosure on, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's our next big thing is getting into the land and, and the development side of things. Very cool. Well, Darren, thank you for, uh, spending some time with us today on the tiny house podcast. It's been great having you aboard again, and, um, you can pretty much count on being on the show again, probably since you're oh, great. a permanent fixture of the community. Absolutely. As long as uh, they don't kick me out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get to the bottom part of my list of questions. So So there's more opportunities. What did we miss? Noah. Yeah, we'll pick that up next time. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole out. other. <laughs> it's a whole show all by itself. Yeah. That's, that's a whole show in and of itself. Just, yeah. just be wary uh, of certifications and other things out there that look to take advantage of uh, people in this growing and, and uh, unsettled industry right now that's all i'll say famous last words hey uh so i see marco's over there looking i hope he's looking at the spreadsheet because i'm about to say who are we talking with next next week we're talking to tiny house atlanta who's that i don't know (laughs) Uh so i'll let you guys know something that's actually been happening with increasing frequency um people are contacting me and saying, hey, I just talked to this person. I saw them on TV. Great. Um, I, you know, and they would be a great addition to your show. Perfect so addition. Tiny House Atlanta was actually, we were contacted by someone in Atlanta and said, you guys haven't talked to this guy yet, but you really need to. That's fantastic. So um, almost half of our guests, I think, coming up in the next probably four to six weeks were actually people contacting me and saying either, A, I want to be on the show, or B, here's someone that's really awesome that should be on the show. So... Um, like I said, with increasing frequency, we're getting some feedback from our listeners, and it's pretty cool. It's so pretty cool. tiny houses from the dirty south. Dirty, <laughs> dirty. <laughs> you pre-named the episode. I like that. <laughs> All so right. So, listeners, if you know of anybody that's super interesting, reach out, and we'll look at it. Check out, reach out to Michelle on her Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most people find me on <laughs> on Facebook because I'm kind of a Facebook slut. Yes, you are. I'm everywhere <laughs> and everywhere all the time. So, um, yeah, and, and because that was another thing, just because we record in Portland, mm-hmm. I think people have the perception that we're very Portland-based or Portland-centric. Oh. So oh. Um, I'm trying to sort of um, correct that perception as well. Um we're not just about tiny houses. We're about tiny, t- you know, small spaces, unique perspectives. Mm-hmm. As you know, we also have the drum roll. Do I have a drum roll sound? <laughs> Insert. The minimalists. Oh, oh those guys. Oh, oh yeah. Got them. Are yeah, they? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yes. They're coming up on the schedule okay. as well. So, a lot of fun. Um, was, oh, and we want, we do want to, uh-oh, <laughs> my tummy. And we do want to talk to more people overseas, too. Yes. For sure. Yeah, we do, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Darren, so much for yep. your time. I appreciate you uh, 
taking some time out of a very busy day. No, thank you all for having me again. I appreciate it. You're welcome, and See thanks ya. for uh, weathering our banter when we're not including you. <laughs> we're just hideous, aren't we? We're just this hideous. horrible. Yeah. All right. See you I later, listeners and or listeners. <laughs> I was going to say viewers, but Listener. it's a different podcast. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. See you, be ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. Thank you.